Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Roto World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short, and with me here, as always, is Drew Silva. Just a few days uh, to go until this year's MLB trade deadline, of course, in this unique season. Uh, so that's going to be the major focus of this episode. I don't think there's going to be many uh, trades, uh, probably not any major trades. Maybe we'll be surprised. Um, that would be fun. Uh, but I think we will see some moves around the margin. So we'll get into that. We have a bunch of other stuff uh, to get to as well, including some events off the field that have nothing to do with sports at all. Uh, and Drew, I'll bring you in here on this. It started with the Milwaukee Bucks deciding against playing Game 5 of their first-round playoff series against the Orlando Magic. Uh, this is a response to the weekend shooting uh, by police of Jacob, Jacob Blake in Wisconsin, uh, then all three NBA games got postponed. Uh, this is Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday night we're recording. Uh, you're hearing this Thursday morning. Uh, then we saw the Brewers and Reds agreed to not play, as well as the Mariners and the Padres. And I think just a few minutes ago, uh, mm-hmm. the Giants and the Dodgers reportedly uh, not going down either. So, you know, this is really a historic day for sports to see these athletes use their voice to bring attention to uh, systemic racism, police brutality, uh, which continues to pervade our society. I mean, it really feels like kind of a watershed day as far as that's concerned. Yeah, it's definitely athletes realizing the power they have. And I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't think people come to our podcast with a couple of white dudes and like expect really profound takes on this issue. You know, I, I want to be an ally to the causes. And I, th- I think if if people haven't seen it and they're listening to this, go check out what Chris Weber said. Um, it, it was actually part of like a 20-minute conversation between the, the NBA on TNT guys and Chris Weber and Stan Van Gundy. And um, But there's a there, you can find a three-minute clip of, of it kind of narrowed down to, to Chris Weber's thoughts. And, he, you know, he's just... He's saying, you know, I I have, you know, I've I've had to have conversations with, you know, young black kids about death and why we're dying before they've even seen it in a in a movie, you know, like I, I you try to keep them away from that violence, and it becomes a, a real part of your life, and, and I I don't know I I think it's it's really sad and and maybe these protests. You know, I, I don't know, like the, the pessimist in me thinks like, I don't know, like it's kind of like just an echo chamber and you're just going to divide the people that already, you know, hate your cause anyway, you know, and the people that this, you know, you know, already agree with your cause, you know, already agree with your cause. 
Um, but maybe it forces conversations to happen at home. Like, you know, hey, Dad, why aren't the Milwaukee Bucks playing tonight? Why aren't the Dodgers playing tonight? And you as a parent have to explain, you know, well, there's some systemic issues in our country. Um, and I don't know, maybe that's it should go beyond conversation. We need like real action. Um, but I, I think the conversations like in individual households are good. I don't know. I don't have like a really strong take on it. Yeah. I mean, I think the, you know, the number one thing here is these athletes, uh, you know, pointing attention to these incidents that continue to happen and where in the past, like the games would go on and maybe these conversations wouldn't happen, you know, tonight, you know, people are talking about this. Um, yeah, right. And I think that's that's really it. And, and, you know, sometimes you have to disrupt people's routine to get people mm-hmm. to pay attention. You know, it's not always uh, comfortable. So that's kind of just the way it goes. And, you know, I, I, there's no smooth way to do this, especially for us, like you were saying. Um, so I guess all we could say is we hope this level of attention leads to, you know, some real conversation regarding change. But uh, we do have a lot of baseball headlines to get to here this is a baseball podcast and we'll start with something really special that went down tuesday night uh lucas giolito uh no hitter against the pirates and really a just a dominant performance you know we see all sorts of uh no hitters that come in all sorts of shapes and, and sizes but this one was just flat out dominance uh against an admittedly you know weak pirates lineup but it was just so dominant 13 strikeouts just one walk um, and Giolito was ridiculous. 30 swinging strikes on 101 pitches. That was the most swinging strikes uh, in a no-hitter since Nolan Ryan. Uh, I believe it was 1990 or 1988. Um, I think 88. 88. Yeah. Uh, his second 13 strikeout performance in a row. <laughs> and I think his ERA was like in the fours like not too long ago. But now, you know, he's brought it down considerably. Um, and the last play of the game, Adam Engel made a fantastic catch on a ball that I think could have fooled some outfielders <laughs> the way yeah, that was, it was hit. Expected batting average of like 850. Yeah. I mean, it was a... stung. It was stung for sure. And the ball had some weird movement on it too, but yeah, some top spin or something. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just, just an amazing performance there. And, and just think about Lucas Giolito. You know, two years ago, he had the highest ERA among qualified starters. Um, to turn it around like he has, it's just incredible. It's almost like a Roy Holiday-like change, where Holiday had the highest uh, ERA. It was like in, I think it was like eight something in like the year 2000. And then a few mm-hmm. years later, he's like one of the most dominant pitchers in, in baseball. Um, you know, Giolito, of course, was a, a top prospect when the Nationals drafted him like he was really considered to be a future ace and he's really found that form uh since joining the white Sox. and you know i was i was sort of wondering here because like so much has been sort of uh shaken up as far as fantasy starting pitchers this year for a wide variety of reasons injuries and otherwise i mean where do you put lucas giolito right now i'm man like top seven among starters i I don't don't know i don't want to say top five without really thinking 
too yeah. hard about it. Yeah, I mean, um, I think at this point, like, Shane Bieber's in the top five. Like, he's the top yeah. fantasy starter right now. I, I would still put Garrett Cole probably at the top and, like, Jacob deGrom in that area, too. Yeah. I, if I remember correctly, Giolito kind of got roughed up on opening day against the Twins. Yeah. Um, and, like, this is the kind of season where his ERA, like, overall might not recover, but it's down to 3.09 already yeah. right now. It was 4.88 uh, just two starts ago. So. Right. Yeah. And the, with the strikeouts, yeah, I mean, he, I, I read a lot of stories about him, you know, last night and then throughout the day today, just some really good baseball writing all, all around about him. And he's a really thoughtful guy, so he, mm-hmm. like, gives good answers to questions. Um, and, yeah, he, you know, after that really rough, what, 2018 season, he went back to, like, his high school pitching coach, and kind of rediscovered his mechanics, which made him one of the top high school prospects, you know, of the last decade or so. And that helped him regain a lot of velocity. Like his average fastball was 92.4 miles an hour in 2018. And then it jumped to 94.3 in 2019. And we know the effect that can have on, on everything else in your arsenal. Um, and, yeah, I mean Harvard Westlake has has produced what yeah. Lucas Giolito, Jack Flaherty, and Max Freed. Yeah, it's um, an incredible high school rotation. Yeah, so Freed probably, is on the rise this year too among fantasy yeah, starters. Yeah, he's, sure. he's a top ten fantasy starter right now. Yeah, and Flaherty hasn't pitched as much as those guys, but he's got a one point nine eight ERA. Yep. and a one one point oh five ERA over his last one hundred and twenty innings dating back to last July. So, yeah, I don't know. That, I'm I'm impressed by Giolito for sure. I I think I they he was going to be lined up to face the Royals next time out, and that would have been Sunday. But the 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 White Sox are going to give him an extra day of rest, so he'll pitch against the Twins next, hmm. um, which is kind of a shame. I do own him in, or, or have him rostered in a couple of leagues. Yeah. So these starts that Giolito had, these two most recent starts, Tigers and the Pirates. I mean, this is something we you know go back to what we talked about during yeah. summer camp. Like, man. AL Central, pretty good place to be um, with those offenses. So, you know, certainly Giolito, top 10 fantasy starter, might be, you know, top seven. You know, you Darvish, I think, probably deserves to be in that conversation. Trevor Bowers, you know, having an amazing year. Uh, Clayton Kershaw with that uptick in velocity that he has, probably back in the top 10 at this point. Uh, Aaron Nola's look good. Sonny Gray, you know, Zach Granke, Lance Lynn. All these guys are kind of right in there, too. Um, and we'll get into some other pitching later who I think, you know, deserves to be in this conversation too. But um, let's let's talk about some Braves stuff here. There's actually yeah, a, lot of, a lot of Braves news. Yeah. yeah, a lot to unpack with the Braves. Uh, and, and we'll start with Ian Anderson. Um, was called up by the Braves to, to help their rotation, uh, to really give a boost to this rotation with so much uncertainty. Um, originally, he was supposed to start Tuesday. Um, the game was postponed. Uh, so he started uh, the first game of a doubleheader on Wednesday against the Yankees, and he just started his career with five no-hit innings. <laughs> uh, and uh, actually gave up his first hit. It was a homer to Luke Voigt, uh, one out into the sixth inning. Uh, but that was the only hit he allowed, the only run he allowed. Um, so really impressive uh, debut there. Struck out six, walked a pair, uh, showed off a mid-90s fastball, a plus changeup we heard a ton about. Um, also hit a batter, but uh, 12 swinging strikes in his 90 pitches, 17 called strikes as well. Uh, really impressive. I mean, 
Anderson was ranked as the number 37 prospect by uh, MLB Pipeline uh, coming into the year. Uh, had a 3.38 ERA with 172 strikeouts and 135 and two-thirds innings between AA and AAA last year. I think the big thing to watch for him going forward is his control. Certainly a work in progress for him. He had 65 walks and 135 and two-thirds innings last year. So, you know, I do think there will be some ups and downs here. Um, But certainly really exciting and a huge lift for this Braves rotation. I mean, think about... Max Freed, we talked about. He's been great. Uh, but other than that, it's really been all over the place for this rotation. Of course, Mike Soroka, done for the year with the Achilles. Cole Hamels has been out all year. And then Mike Fultonevich, Sean Newcomb, Kyle Wright have been disappointments. And remember, Felix Hernandez opted out. He was probably going to begin the year in the Braves rotation. So, you know, they really needed a hit on one of these young pitchers. And it seems like Ian Anderson could be that guy. Yeah, Tuki Toussaint hasn't been great either. Yeah, they they needed someone like Ian Anderson to land, and I've only watched a little bit of that start, but I was impressed by by what I saw. Yeah, so also in that game, Ronald Acuna Jr. came back, and uh, he announced his return with authority, uh, pulled a 97-mile-per-hour fastball uh, for the longest homer by any Braves hitter at Truist Park, uh, which has been open for three seasons now <laughs> so uh, it's safe to say the wrist is is feeling pretty good uh for, for ronald lacuna which you know great for the braves but also uh, great for fantasy players who invested a first round pick uh so that was nice to see also good news on ozzy albies he took batting practice from both sides of the plate on uh tuesday uh he's also coming back from a wrist issue uh, we knew he could only hit from one side of the plate, you know, prior to that, uh, going down, going on the injured list, struggled even before going on the IL. So, uh, you know, chances are he'll probably be back in the next few days. Um, so that's really good news for the Braves, too. Mar- uh, Nick Markakis is back from the, the COVID-19 injured list. He didn't actually test positive for COVID, but he came into contact with someone who uh, might have had it. So, you know, they just wanted to be on the safe side there and watch him for a few days and uh, so he's back in the lineup. Um, and, of course, they, they sent down their their uh, top prospect, Christian uh, Pache, uh, back down to the uh, alternate site. Uh, but, you know, it's just a matter of time before he comes back and, you know, he'll probably be up for good <laughs> sooner or later. Uh, a lot to look forward to there. But, you know, if the Braves can get uh, Ozzie Albies back here, maybe they make a trade for a starter coming up. You know, as we get closer to the deadline, Cole Hamels comes back healthy. You know, the Braves look pretty dangerous. Yeah, a couple of notes from me on, on the Dodgers. Uh, they they put Tony Gonsolin and Gavin Lux, actually, as well, on their taxi squad um, for their current road trip. I, I forget who, where they're going, but uh, it, it's a, a lengthy road trip, and it looks like uh, Gonsolin might, yeah, might start Sunday against the Rangers, um, and he has a, a 14 and two-thirds scoreless innings going so far this season. That's across three starts, 12 to 2K to walk ratio, really good whip. I think anytime he's going to be in the rotation, he's he's worth starting in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, if he was on any other team, he would be you know a mainstay. He wouldn't be alter- alternating back between the majors and the alternate site. And then Gavin Lux, who was kind of a surprise 
non-addition to the Dodgers opening day roster. It looks like he might finally arrive sometime this week. Or, I don't know, maybe they're just putting him on the taxi squad as like an emergency option. But you'd think it, this means that he might he might show up soon. And he, he actually hit two homers off of Gonsolin in, in an intra-squad intra game that the Dodgers streamed on social media and on YouTube on Monday. Uh, so he looks like he might be ready to go soon. You know, could take over as the starting second baseman. Chris Taylor has a little more versatility, can play the outfield or some shortstop or, you know, all around the infield. Um, so that, I, I think Lux and Gonsolin could be up this weekend. And then uh, Carter Keboom of the Nationals got demoted on Wednesday, had just really been struggling uh, offensively and defensively, leaves behind a 200 batting average of 559 OPS through 64 plate appearances. It looks like as Drupal Cabrera will be the primary third baseman for the Nationals, at least until like Kibum, I guess, figures something out at the alternate training site. It's weird when you demote a guy like that because I don't know, he's going to be like hitting against your own pitchers, playing an in interest squad games. When do you decide that like he's ready to come back up? Yeah. Um, but he, you know, combined with what he did last year, he's he's been a pretty big disappointment so far. Um, I don't know. I think as Dribble Cabrera has been really good though, and yeah, if he's same. still out there, on, yeah, if he's still out there on waiver wires, he should be picked up. But I think his own or his roster percentage was like in the in the 80s last time I checked. So people are aware of what he's been doing so far this season. I looked at um, the Baseball Savant page for Carter Keboom to see, you know, sort of where he ranks. Yeah, it's um, bad. It's <laughs> he's in the the third percentile in hard hit percentage, 16 percent. In average exit velocity hasn't had a barrel so far this season so no extra base hits either um he was a lot better in those areas uh, in a small sample size last year he's like above average um so who knows what's going on here uh i don't think you know you've lost hope yet in him but you know the nationals are they want to win this year you know there's only a month to go so you know they didn't really have time to you know, let him figure it out at the major league level. You know, it's all about winning. Uh, yeah. But, you know, also you wonder where this, you know, puts him going into next year. Can they count on him? So, you know, it it's just really hard to say what the outlook for, for him is at this point. You know? it, yeah, it, it would be encouraging if, like, he went down to AAA and, like, put up big numbers and you're like, all right, you know, may, maybe next year he'll, he'll be able to put it all together. But without any data to draw from. And the only data is what he did at the major league level. And it's not good data. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's going to be a weird year for like writing the draft guide. Yeah. You know, going, going into 2021. I agree. What, what numbers do you believe in? Like so many people made their major league debut. I, I don't know. Yeah. Let's not think about that yet. <laughs> no, I, I've sort of had that in the back of my mind. Like how much do you really, you know, believe uh, how much can you really trust? But uh, one thing I forgot to mention a minute ago, talking about the Braves and the Yankees. Uh, well, the first thing is that Garrett Cole actually lost a start <laughs> for the first time in a really long time. He had gone 20 straight decisions with a win. So that's interesting. I think the streak was like 28 starts without a loss. And he had 20 wins in that time, dating back to like last May. So that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Um, also Aaron judge, he, he returned from the injured list in the second game of the doubleheader. actually singled in his first at bat. Uh, but he had to leave the game 
um, because his calf tightened up again. Um, yeah. It's I don't know if it's just they were like being overly cautious or if it's something that's going to like send him right back to the injured list. But obviously not what you want to hear like in his very first game coming back. Right. They they they. I thought it was curious that they held him out for the first game. Yeah. Um, and then he, yeah, he only made it like what through four innings in the second game. That's that's a concern, man. Judge and Stanton, just a couple of big boys that can't really stay healthy. And when they're healthy, man, that that lineup is incredible. And even when they're not healthy, that lineup is incredible. But yeah. it's almost like we like never get to see the fully formed Yankees Bronx Bombers. Right. It, it feels like similar to like the Mets rotation with like their five yeah. pieces. Like they, I think they were only went through one turn in the rotation like all together like ever uh <laughs> so it sort of feels like that with the yankees too um so we have some more headlines before we get in the trade deadline stuff um but first i have a little plug here the all new roto world premium subscription packages have the tools and resources you need to dominate your fantasy leagues from drafts through the playoffs best of all subscriptions are not just one sport now they include football baseball basketball and hockey and as a listener of the Roto World Baseball podcast, get $10 off any annual subscription to Roto World Premium. To find your edge, visit rotoworld.com slash edge using the promo code BBPOD10 at checkout. Again, that's BBPOD10 at checkout. Head on over to rotoworld.com to see for yourself. And let's get into uh, something that I think is really fascinating. Mike Clevenger made his return to the Indians uh, on Wednesday night against the Twins. Of course, he has been at the Indians alternate training site, I believe, for the past 11 days. Uh, of course, he was demoted, um, you know, basically as a, a punishment for violating safety protocol. Um, him and his teammate, Zach Plesak, uh went out in Chicago, violated curfew, um, and Clevenger actually didn't own up to it initially, took the flight back with the team, um, you know, really caused some trust issues in that, in that clubhouse. Um, but of course, you know, given his talent and also Adam Plutko hasn't been very good in the Indians rotation, Carlos Carrasco as well, you know, it's just a matter of time before he'd come back. So, uh, last I checked, he allowed, he had allowed two runs in five innings with five strikeouts, one walk. Uh, gave up a home run to Max Kepler to begin the game. Um, and as for Zach Plesak, you know, there's nothing in the immediate future as far as him coming back. Um, so that's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out. Uh, with Clevenger, you know, if he had stayed at that alternate site for 20 days, uh, he would have fallen one day short of reaching four years of service time. Um, but, you know, since he's up now, you know, he'll be a free agent after the 2022 season. So it's still two years of control after this one. Zach Plesak, he just has to stay on the option for 18 days to have his service time impacted. Um, right now, he's on track to be a Super 2 qualifier after the 2021 season. So this could delay his first uh, chance on arbitration until after the 2022 season. So, um, you know, there's big implications here, which could cause, you know, further bad blood. Uh, between Plesak and the Indians. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a really murky territory where, to me, you know, especially with Plesak, you know, this could point toward this ending with a trade. Yeah, I think it's very possible he's dealt by Monday's August 31 trade deadline. 
I mean, he got off to a great start this season. He's got what a 1.29 ERA, 24 to two strikeout to walk ratio in, in 21 innings. And I think he was like celebrating a great start against the, the White Sox. That's why he skipped out of the team hotel with Mike Clevenger. Um, yeah, I mean, like maybe, and, and he had a pretty good rookie season in 2019 as well. Maybe the, I never really kind of believed in him that he I was. I didn't either. Yeah, so like maybe the the Indians don't quite believe in him either. And, and, and like you can kind of sell him high right now, even though he seems like an idiot for that, <laughs> that video he put out yeah. um, and, and for breaking protocol in the first place. Yeah. But. I mean, I could I could see a, a rebuilding team certainly taking a chance on him and, and willing to give up. I mean, the the Indians need like an, an a veteran outfielder, real bad, like yes. someone with a, a power bat. Um, you could see something working out to that level. I, I don't I, I don't know. I don't want to like speculate on on who who it could be. Like the Red Sox would make a lot of sense for Plesek, but I don't know who they would trade. Uh, I don't know, they could give him, like, Mitch Moreland. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, I, I think, yeah, I mean, it could be a veteran player. I mean, the Indians, like, they're in it to win it. You know, they're a win-now yeah. team. So it could be a veteran. It could be, like, I was thinking, like, maybe the Blue Jays trade, like, Randall Gritchick, something like or that. Or Teoscar Hernandez. Or Teoscar Hernandez. Yeah I, yeah, I could see that being a pretty good match. I mean, the thing about uh, Plesak, he's under team control through 2025. So, like... He's a really valuable piece. And a lot of these players we're going to talk about here in a minute, they're like more like rental type of players. But this is someone who could control for a really long time. So, you know, there's going to have to be some really nice uh, players coming back to the Indians here. And I actually think it's a perfect way for them to get a bat into the lineup, which they sorely need, you know, in that outfield, especially. Yeah, totally. Um, Maybe even like this is like pie in the sky, but like. The Astros really need some pitching, too. I mean, I've gotten some good performances from some unexpected names, but, you know, I don't know if, like, Kyle Tucker is, like, a realistic target there, especially because he's been really good recently, but... Yeah, he's turned it on. Yeah, he really has. I don't know. I, I, I don't think that's a realistic target. I, I, don't, I don't think teams are going to evaluate Plesak with what he... I don't, I don't know. I'm not a scout, but he, he has some, some issues with command. It didn't really show up through his first three starts this year, but it, it did last year. I don't know. So let's get I into these trade yeah, candidates. Yeah, let's, let's, let's move on. Let's do that. Uh, so the August 31st trade deadline next Monday, right? Um, so, yeah. I, I you know like I said, I don't think there's going to be necessarily huge names being dealt, but I do think there are some difference makers here. Uh, I think we have to start with Dylan Bundy which, you know, how bad the Angels are is just, like, really depressing to me. Uh, and especially because, like, Bundy's been so great. Uh, and their rotation has been, you know, such a shaky proposition for such a long time. Andrew Heaney has been really disappointing this year. Um, but, you know, last two starts for Dylan Bundy haven't been amazing, but, you know, still has a 2.58 ERA with 44 strikeouts, just eight walks over 38 in the third innings. Uh, you know, much has been made made about switching up his pitch mix this year. Fewer four-seamers, which is a bad pitch for him. More sliders. And, you know, while a lot of these guys are going to be rentals, Bundy's still under team control for for another season. So, you know, I think he could be really interesting to basically, like, every contender. Uh, so, you know, the Angels, being where they are, I think it makes sense to, to kind of sell high on Bundy, who's had some physical issues. Yeah, I think Bundy is 
super likely to be traded. He he would probably be like top top five guys who I think are going to be traded. And Trevor Rosenthal, I think, is up there too. Like, there's no reason for the Royals to hang on to him, you know, beyond Monday's deadline. He's been really good this season. Seven picked up his seventh save on, on Tuesday night back in St. Louis. One four six ERA, seventeen strikeouts in twelve innings. The velocity is back near triple digits. He's he's going to make a lot of sense to a lot of teams. You know, you look at all the different pitcher injuries and bullpens around baseball. He's a fit for for everybody. And there's a lot of teams that are going to consider themselves contenders uh, because you know there's going to be sixteen playoff teams. Um, and and so you could see pretty much anybody talking them themselves into adding a, a, a fireballing reliever like Rosenthal. I think Greg, Greg Holland from that bullpen too is very likely to go both, both on one year deals. Another resurgent type of name, Taewon Walker with the Mariners. Um, he coming into this year, he had just four starts combined through 2018 and 2019 uh, due to injury. But um, he's looked pretty good so far this year. Four ERA, 25 to 8 strikeout to walk ratio in 27 innings over five starts. There's a couple of stinkers in there, but uh, three really good ones against uh, some pretty good offenses, including the Dodgers and the Athletics. Um, he's a free agent after this season, so, you know, pretty obvious, um, you know, sell type of move here. I, I saw a report the other day about the Yankees being connected to him, but. You know, a few other teams as well. Um, I'd certainly look for him to be dealt. A Keone Kella of the Pirates. I This is a curious one because he hasn't picked up a baseball since last Friday when he left an appearance against the Brewers with tightness in his forearm. Um, also missed the start of the season due to a, a COVID-19 diagnosis. So he's made only three appearances this year, just two innings total. And he hasn't pitched since last Friday. The, the Pirates said he was available on Tuesday, but that's when they got no hit by uh, Lucas Giolito and the White Sox. So he didn't appear in that game. Um, he's, I don't know, he's yet to pick up a baseball, like I said. So I, I almost feel like the Pirates are hiding the fact that he's still injured and, and trying to get some kind of peace for him. Um, was really good last year when when he was healthy and he, when he wasn't on like suspension he, he had some some team issued suspensions there but 2.12 ERA last season over 29 and two th- thirds innings um, can be an effective closer in the past he he used to save games for the Rangers can be an effective setup man when he's healthy um, but I, the Pirates are probably going to have to to throw him in a game here soon if they're going to get any kind of any kind of young talent for him. And and the pirates are probably selling everybody they can. Yep. Um, I, I think Ben <clears throat> Charrington has pretty much made that known that every single person is, is available. Joe Musgrove could go Gregory Polanco, possibly he's had a, a, a few good weeks lately. Um, I, I, Adam Frazier, I, I don't think they'll trade like Kevin Newman or, but, but maybe Josh Bell, like it wouldn't shock me. I don't think there's going to be that level of a trade like a Josh Bell type, like you said, I think it's going to be more fringy bullpen guys, a couple veterans moving. Um, uh, yeah, I doubt we'll see like major blockbusters. So a team, I think like a week ago, I would have said the Giants were like no brainer sellers of any anything they couldn't nail down basically. But uh, now I, I'm not so sure. Actually coming into play on Wednesday, they had the final playoff spot. 
believe it or not. Um, had won seven in a row, including a, a thriller on Tuesday night against the Dodgers. But uh, Kevin Gosman, you know, superficially not great this year. Four six five ERA over five starts and one relief appearance. But uh, the peripheral numbers are really impressive. Forty two strikeouts and thirty one innings, just six walks. Had 11 strikeouts against the Athletics back on August 15th, which I think really raised some eyebrows. Gosman throwing hard, getting whiffs, uh, a lot to like, I think. Um, definitely, you know, rental material here if the Giants end up being sellers. Right now, I'm not sure if they are, but um, certainly Gosman, you know, would be a logical trade candidate depending on which they which way they go here. Tony Watson, another one, um, free agent after 2020. Just a dependable veteran reliever. One run allowed in nine and two-thirds innings this season. Eight strikeouts, just one walk. Um, just sort of business as usual for, for Tony Watson. Another one of those guys who would make sense for basically any contender. But again, you know, depending on how things go over the next few days for the Giants, they might just decide to, to stand pat. Especially because like for a rental type of guy... In, in this expanded playoff world, like how much are you really going to get for these guys? Probably not a whole lot. Uh, Lance Lynn, we spent a lot of time talking about it, him on, on last week's episode. He's really in like AL Cy Young Award contention, 4-0, 1.59 ERA, 50 strikeouts and 45 and a third innings. Also a .86 whip. Um, f- finished fifth in the Cy Young voting last year too. Um I, don't, I think he's under control for one more year in, in, in 2021 at $9.3 million. Um, So, like, the Rangers don't necessarily have to move him, but you could also see them wanting to sell high. I mean, they're 11 and 18 near the near last place in the ALS with the Angels. Um, I, I, I think they need to kind of rebuild that club. They have some young talent. Um, but a, a guy like Lynn, who's 33 years old, um, I, I could see them trying to get some young talent for him. But again, I don't I don't know that teams are going to be willing to take a chance on, on Lynn because you're going to have to give up some young talent and then you're probably only going to get like five starts from him down the stretch of the regular season. I, I guess pointing towards the postseason, he'd be a nice arm to have. Um, has really emerged as, as one of the top pitchers in baseball over the last couple of years. He's always kind of flirted with being that guy. Had a real good six-year run with St. Louis. Um, usually like mid three, low three ERAs and a strikeout per inning. Uh, but he's really taken it to to a new level last year and then this year in, in Texas. And maybe they flip him. That could be one of the, the bigger trades that, that goes down on Monday. Totally. Like I could see maybe last minute the Yankees are just like, all right, let's yeah. go for it. You know what I mean? And they could give yeah. some really nice pieces just, back. Yeah, just give them like four prospects. Yeah. I, I mean, the other thing about something I was thinking about today is like the World Series – is going to be in the Rangers ballpark apparently. Ken Rosenthal uh, put out a report with like sort of the latest like conversation and speculation. We kind of talked about it last week where uh, they're talking about doing these bubbles during the playoffs, uh, but kind of getting some more specifics leaked out that the World Series would take place at the Rangers' new ballpark, even though the Rangers aren't going to be in the playoffs. Pretty interesting. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's it's the it's the most state of the art part because it's the newest one. It looks terrible outside, but yeah. it, I'm sure it's nice inside. Yeah, yeah, a nice like showcase, I guess. Uh, Kevin Pilar with the Red Sox sign a one year deal with them during the off season, and it's been like just about what you would expect so far this year. Good defense and speed. Maybe not 
where he was at his peak, but still very serviceable. Not a complete zero with the bat either. Kind of guy could be useful on most contenders, even if he's like a bench player or a defensive replacement or whatever the case might be. I could see him easily being traded and being a, a useful player. Uh, Andrelton Simmons, we'll we'll see on this one. Like like you mentioned at the top of this segment, the Angels are trash. Um, so <laughs> like like may, maybe this is the year that they finally move Simmons. He's been talked about it in trade rumors forever. Um, due to become a free agent this winter, so like you know may, maybe this is the time to make that move. Um, I don't know. Like or or maybe they they think about an extension for him. He's only thirty years old, even though he's been around forever um still great defensively hasn't really rounded into like the hitter that you'd like him to be but um you know he's still productive with the defense and you know one of the greatest probably defensive shortstops of all time which is crazy to say but he, he really is that good and he's only played in eight or i guess nine games now this year because of an ankle injury also had an ankle injury last year um so there's some complications i i think to moving him uh, but being an impending free agent, I'm sure the Angels are going to try or at least field some offers. Tommy Lastella is kind of in the same boat. Uh, he, he'll he be a free agent this offseason as well. <clears throat> and this is a guy who can be really useful all over the place. Has an 836 OPS with 20 homers over 108 games dating back to the start of last season. Uh, that works out to a 122 OPS plus. Uh, more walks and strikeouts so far this year, 15 to 7. So making elite levels of contact and like I said can play all over the place so you know he's sort of an obvious pickup for a contender Jason Castro maybe gets moved to um, you know not much of a hitter but a really good uh, receiver behind the plate and you know with the way things are going this year roster moves all over the place I could see a team you know adding him at least as like an insurance policy maybe for a starting catcher the Orioles are kind of hovering around 500. Uh, but I would be very surprised if they don't move some players uh, ahead of Monday's deadline. Michael Givens, um, Miguel Castro, just maybe like unloading their bullpen for, for anything they can get. Um, Givens has been really good this year. He's kind of been up and down throughout his career, but he's got a 0.77 ERA at this point as we're recording here on Wednesday night, 16 strikeouts in 11 innings. Um, has proven that he can save games in the past if that matters to any teams anymore. Um, Castro is like a, a ground ball rate kind of guy. Uh, also, also has some strikeouts though this, this season. Um, I, I think those two seem likely to move, um, as the Orioles continue their, their rebuilding plan. I don't think they're going to move any of like their young position players. I think they like what they, what they're, what they're building there with some of those guys who are like in their early to mid twenties, your Anthony Santander's and Rio Ruiz's. Uh, Renato Nunez and whatnot, uh, but I think they're going to unload some bullpen pieces. So this is a perfect lead-in to our final segment where Drew will try to make sense out of all the closer situations in uh, in baseball. So good luck. Yeah, <laughs> this can feel like uh, putting together like a big puzzle, thousand-piece puzzle every week or every day, really. I mean, every day. Yeah. Um, we'll start. We'll start with the Rays, who are really the most puzzling team of all when it, it comes to bullpen rules and just rules in general, rotation, position players too. It's a dynamic roster, and they like it to be dynamic. Nine different relievers have earned saves um, for the Rays um, among their 20 total wins. 
Nick Anderson, their their leader in saves with three, was placed on the injured list Monday, retroactive to August 20th with right forearm inflammation. And then Jalen Beeks was going for a two-inning save on Tuesday night but blew out his elbow after recording the first out in the top of the ninth. Edgar Garcia wound up finishing that one. That was his first career save. But I think you're probably best off targeting Diego Castillo and then I would put Pete Fairbanks second, John Curtis third. I think Fairbanks is pretty intriguing. Um, I like the talent there, but Castillo has done done the closer thing before, so maybe he gets the edge for for Rays manager Kevin Cash. It does sound like Nick Anderson sh- could be back as soon as Sunday or, or shortly thereafter, so maybe it won't be too long of an absence. Um, the Padres, this looked like one of the most talented bullpens in baseball entering the year. Uh, but Kirby Yates is done for the season with bone chips in his right elbow. And then before the season even began, Andres Munoz required Tommy John surgery, uh, a flame-throwing young pitcher, young relief prospect they have. Jose Castillo has been sidelined with a strained lat. And now Drew Pomeranz, um, who had a chance to run away with the closer job with Yates out, has has joined all of those relievers on the injured list because of a strained left shoulder. Um, Emilio Pagan is the obvious pickup here. He actually already has two saves since Pomeranz uh, went on the injured list on Friday. And the Padres are a really exciting team. They've kind of been super streaky this year, but you know, outside of those bullpen injuries, they have a ton of talent in the rotation and you know, among their position player groups. So Pagan could really provide a jolt of fantasy value for however long Pomeranz is out. I don't think we've heard an update on how severe that injury is, but you know, there are only four weeks left, so you got to be aggressive. Um, the Rockies, Daniel Bard earned back-to-back saves on Monday and Tuesday this week, and I, I think looks poised to potentially hold on as the primary closer in Colorado for the long haul, um, it, or at least have a healthy share of it with you know Wade Davis and Scott Oberg silent, sidelined. Jairo Diaz has been better lately, so he could be in the mix too, but you know we recommended picking up Bard on in this segment of the podcast last week, and you're in good shape if you listened. He's three for three in save opportunities so far. Uh, the Blue Jays, it has become a committee between Anthony Bass and, and Jordan Romano, who have both pitched really well. Romano especially, 0.64 ERA, 20 strikeouts in 14 innings. Bass has a 2.13 ERA. Um, both definitely worth rostering right now with Ken Giles probably not returning before mid-September with that forearm strain he suffered back in late July. I really like Romano. He's He is a crazy person on the mound, very jittery. It reminds me of, like, uh, I don't know, Craig Kimbrell when he was really on, just, like, not the kind of guy you want to face. He looks like he might like, just throw a fastball at your head at any, any moment. Um, just a crazy-looking dude. Uh, Tigers rounded out here joe jimenez at, at one point led the majors in saves uh, but he has been absolutely lit up in his last two appearances seven earned runs while recording only two outs over those two outings his era for the year is up to 12.46 um so he could have been a trade candidate for the tigers but he's really not been very good even though the tigers have touted him as the closer of the future forever um, no other Detroit reliever has earned a save this season besides Jimenez. Um, so it's kind of hard to say who they would go to next. I think Gregory Soto is probably the guy to stash, probably the, the guy to pick up in deeper leagues. Um, it's obviously not a very good team there in Detroit. They got off to a decent start, but have come back down to earth. Buck Farmer, J. 
just returned from the injured list and is usually pretty steady. But if I'm picking up one one guy to handcuff with Jimenez, it would be Gregory Soto. He has the more closer-like profile, I think. I feel like Buck Farmer is like the most dangerous name to say. <laughs> you're not especially, careful. <laughs> especially when you've been working for like 13 hours straight and you're delusional. <laughs> so Edwin Diaz is almost imploding uh, in Mets versus Marlins game right now. So uh, next week we might do a, an update on the Mets bullpen situation, I'm thinking. Which is interesting <laughs> because Seth Lugo is now in the rotation uh, and actually had three perfect innings in his first start on, on Tuesday. It looked really awesome, but now the bullpen is is scary. There's not a there's not the safety net anymore. Uh but yeah. So we'll see we'll see if Diaz can get out of it. You you guys will know how it turns out, because you'll be listening this Thursday, but right now I'm I'm biting all my fingernails off. So uh so i think that's it for for this week oh, uh i guess on. i guess you i guess i guess he just left with an apparent injury he Sorry, did oh he's walking off yeah <laughs> trainer came out and now diaz is coming out well we know diaz has had some kind of like elbow, elbow chips thing or something? yeah something yeah. to that effect so who knows but obviously not a great sign there so hopefully you know hopefully he's gonna be okay but then he had to leave the game here not a good sign. So, uh, you know, you guys will know what's going on uh, tomorrow morning. But as of right now, you know, close the role for the Mets, certainly in, in flux. You know, you could see like a Jerry's Familia getting a shot because Dylan Batances hasn't really looked very good. So maybe even like Justin Wilson could be in the mix. So um, anyway, that's it for this week. If you like what you're hearing with this show, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review if you don't mind. Buck Follow Farmer. Us. Say it. Buck Farmer. <laughs> I, will ne- I will never say that. That is way too dangerous. I, I've said it on live radio before and almost had a panic attack. Uh, follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short and Drew is at Drew Silve. Be safe out there and we will see you next time. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.